Blog Talk Radio. at UIC. Um, I do that Monday through Friday and on the weekends and evening I play for the Chicago Bullets. I am the safety and wide receiver on the team. Being empowered to me means doing what makes you happy. Whether that means being in a male-dominated sport or a male-dominated profession, none of that really matters. If you're good at it and it's what makes you happy, then you do it. Don't let anyone tell you not to just because a man usually does it. For me, especially when I began playing in this league, I wasn't confident in my body, and I've really never been confident in my body. I was always kind of the athletic build, and I always had big thighs and big butt, and other people think it's awesome. Other people love this athletic build, and it's really starting to be celebrated. I think that really gave me a lot of confidence in my own body type, and I don't have boobs, but I don't want boobs. I have a butt, I have size, and I love them now, and that's completely changed, really, when I started playing in this league. I discovered Legends Football, actually, because I was watching it on TV. This is made for me. <laughs> I love this sport. I was already playing flag football a lot. Once I saw that, I knew I was going to start playing. Once I found the team again, it was like, this is your goal. You're doing these sprints because you want to win this game. I was finally a part of something bigger. I felt like myself again. Now with Allie Alberts, welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 241, right here on Fox Talk Radio, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. And so uh, she is going to join us in about 15 minutes a legendary Legends Football League athlete, uh, retired this uh, season. And uh, so in the house, we're also going to have Bobby Hosea Jr., which we're going to be talking about concussions, tackling techniques, everything that's going on in, in the NFL the first three weeks here with all the issues happening out, especially with Clay Matthews speaking out about it. Um, and we're going to dive into the international scene as well in the Czech Republic, Austria, Grand New Zealand, uh, Grand New South Wales, Grand Queensland, we're going to dive into news and notes happening internationally in the women's game as well. And we're going to dive into a little bit of college football uh, as we get uh, later in the hour. We should have uh, Mackenzie Brooks here coming in and joining us, as well as Troy Wilson. Uh, we will not have Tracy Brick or Louise Bean today, but we do have the WFA All-Star right now. And we're going to be talking uh, NFL right now until we get to Allie's uh, no-joke football huddle. If you guys got, haven't gone to the um, – Zazzle shop, the no joke football shop. Uh, I want to thank everybody for going there. Uh, you can go there and save up to 25% off daily and you can uh, subscribe to Zazzle black. And if you subscribe to Zazzle black, uh, it's about $10 in the States and it's free shipping uh, for $10. So it's a pretty good deal. Uh, so thanks everybody that's gone there. And uh, we appreciate uh, everybody throwing us over 6,300 today on Facebook at the hub at Gridiron Beauties on Facebook. So uh, 
Ollie, how's it going today? Pretty good. Um, crazy weekend of football. Not necessarily the best weekend for my team, but a very interesting weekball for sure. Yeah, you know what? I was so not happy with the fact that the Vikings laid an egg for me and the Patriots laid an egg for me. That was just so shocking. You know what I mean? It's, it's just well, like, what happened to those two teams? Well, the Patriots, I think you can kind of more, you can see that coming a little bit. They don't have a lot in their, you know, talent uh, cabinet, so to speak, right now. Uh, <clears throat> Gronk is like half a half a Gronk right now and you don't have Edelman and you don't have a lot of weapons. And so, you know, to, to quote uh, Brady's uh, wife, he can't throw and catch and tackle. They need more help. And so hopefully uh, Josh Gordon can get on the field for them and help them out and Edelman can come back and help them out. So I could see that one coming a little bit more. I couldn't. I had no idea the Vikings were going to play that poorly, and I had no idea the Bills were going to play that well. I thought the Bills were the worst team in the league by far this year so far. So shows what we know. <laughs> uh, Holly, I think you called you called the the New England sort of downfall last week because you said they didn't play very well in, in last week, and now this week it kind of shows. And it really showed really, like, horribly. It showed, like, old man football for him. He was frustrated. First time in a while that we've seen that. Um, so the Lions, you know, Patricia and company, uh, hats off to them for rebounding. Yeah. I mean, the Lions are starting to play better last week when they played uh, my Niners. I think they kind of got their confidence a little bit underneath them in, in the second half when they were trying to come back on our team. Um, so I knew that they would be okay uh, going into this game. The most interesting part of the, the Patriots-Lions game to me is um, the storyline of Matt Patricia on the sideline with the Lions, and he is playing his former defense, and he knows exactly what their weakness is. And the Lions, even though they're built to throw over the yard, it was interesting because they came out and they ran and they ran and they ran and they ran and nobody could stop it on the Patriots. They're very soft on the middle of their defense. So I think if the Patriots are going to get their, their, you know, act in order, they're going to have to probably outscore people this year, which is not usually what their MO is. And if they're going to be able to outscore people, they need more weapons because I think Brady is okay it's just like if you don't have anybody to throw it to, you're going to look bad. And and Brady's used to a certain level of um, play on the field. And when it's not happening, you know, he, he gets a little frustrated. So they're going to need some help. Uh, their, their linebacking core is really soft right now. They really miss Patrick Chung on, uh, at safety. He was kind of the anchor, the back anchor of that defense. So they kind of had a, uh, a bimp and no, the don't break type of defense uh, the last couple of years. But without him and a couple other pieces, people are going to run on this team. Um, so they're going to have to get their offense together. All right. So, you know, that was a surprise. Cousins laying an egg, not really playing that well. Do we credit the Bills' defense for stepping up, or do we even say that the Vikings' defense is crap? Oh, you know, it's kind of, I think, a little bit of both. I, I think the Vikings, you know, they were my pick going into this year of being um, 
a Super Bowl contender level team. I think they still are talent wise, but I think that's the trick about football is sometimes it doesn't matter how much talent you have on paper. It is, it's about, is that talent playing together? And I think, I think Cousins just had a bad game, but that's kind of what he's been known for. He'll have a, a great stretch where you think he's a world beater, and then he'll throw in a game like this, and you're just like, oh, my God. But the biggest concern for the Vikings in this game is that Cousins had to throw 55 times. And granted, a lot of that's, I think, them trying to come back at the end, but they only had yep. 14 yards of rushing. And if you're going to be a Super Bowl contender, even if you're pass heavy, you cannot have only 14 yards of rushing. So they were completely unbalanced and credit the Bills defense. I think the Bills defense is underrated. And then Allen, um, uh, you know, to his credit, showed up this game. So I don't know if it's necessarily it could be just an anomaly, um, but I guess we'll have to see how both these teams respond the next week to really know. Do you think the Miami fans are just chopping at the bits knowing that New England's down and they get to, they get to go to Foxborough next week and maybe do a beat down yeah. just like the Lions did? I mean, they got to be stoked. I, I they go 4-0 so. if they beat Brady. That's like they've never been that for a while. So. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are kind of the team that nobody's talking about. I mean, they've gotten off to a really great start. Um, and I think they they have to, you know – kind of be like sharks smelling blood in the water here with the Patriots. I, I, you know, I think the Patriots can definitely win, but I think if the Dolphins are, are, are going to come in and beat New England, I mean, this would be the perfect opportunity. Um, so if the Dolphins are able to get that win against the Patriots, I think people are going to start talking about them more because the Patriots as a whole, they have a, they have a brand. And if you're able to beat the Patriots, even when they're down, it, it looks really good. So we'll see if Tannehill can, can get that one for them. They've looked so good. Hill and uh, Tannehill and Stills have looked really good. And if you have them on your fantasies, that they've been pretty good for scoring and getting you some points. Um, what do we say about the Detroit right now, before we go forward, what do we say about Detroit next week against, Dallas. Dallas looks horrible. And I I mean, I don't know what they're going to do there, but if Detroit goes into Dallas and beats them, wow, what a turnaround for Detroit. I beat the Niners, beat New England, and now we're going to beat America's team. I honestly am going to pick the Lions. Um, as bad as the Lions looked in that first week, um, you know, turnovers are going to make you look bad. And they just kept turning the ball over and over and over again. Um, but the Lions, I saw them start to get their act together in the second half against the Niners, and then obviously last game was a big win for them. And the Cowboys are, have kind of gone the reverse, where they had a decent start, and now they've kind of backslid. Um, they have a lot of issues, the Cowboys do. Um, but I think, I think the Lions, you know, they still have some the same issues. I think they still need a three down type of back to really help them get over the top. They need more balance with that, I think. And that would really open up the the play action for, for Stafford more. Um, If you have the linebackers having honor the run more, they, they have kind of a half running game going on with Blunt and uh, Riddick, the three down back that they have to fear. So I think that's the piece the Lions are missing on offense. Um, So I don't think they're, they're going to be, you know, Super Bowl level, but 
we'll, we'll see. It might be the same alliance where they're a solid team, but they're not over the top. Cleveland goes, you think Cleveland, with the beer open, Bud Light celebration, they, almost like they won the Super Bowl. That was like literally the, the moment of moments for the week. I mean, the Browns beating the Jets. Uh, I mean, it was just, I don't know, it was amazing. It was just almost like the celebration of, of, you know, the Super Bowl win or something. I don't know. But uh, they go in next week against the Raiders. If they can take care of the Raiders uh, in back-to-back weeks, they're going to be even more stoked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, you got to give hats off to, to Baker Mayfield for coming in. I think, you know, Baker is not necessarily like an Aaron Rodgers-level guy, but I think what he does provide them is a – a uh, spark of energy on offense that they haven't had in a while. And and so him coming in off the bench and, they, and being able to lead them to a win is really big for Cleveland. I honestly think that Cleveland, you know, they're not going to win 10 games this year, but I think they'll probably win somewhere between like four or five in there. And I would not be surprised if they were able to beat the Raiders because the Raiders just don't have any kind of identity at all right now. Um, I think it will probably be a close game. Um, and I think it's kind of one of those games um, where whoever makes the least mistakes is going to pull off that win. But I, I have a feeling it's going to be a very interesting game. Well, I can say the uh, Gruden era is probably not the greatest. And Khalil Mack's probably just laughing his head off right now. <laughs> just being in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, you know, I've never been the biggest Gruden fan coach-wise. I think he's a um, – a good analyst and broadcaster, but I never was a big fan of his. And I think he inherited an an organization that didn't have really a direction. And, um, and he's not, he doesn't seem to be fixing it. It seems to be getting worse. And you're right. I think Khalil Mack, like I get, maybe they were trying to, you know, stockpile uh, draft picks for the future, but you're, you still, you traded away the Tom Brady of your defense and you, if you're going to do that, you have to expect that you're going to struggle for a while. So we'll see if they're able to get it together. But I'm not really <laughs> holding my breath about the Raiders. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I, I got a couple of Raider fans, uh, you know, uh, friends that I know, and they're just angry now. I mean, they just they know their season's going down. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Niner. Uh, mishap here jimmy uh on that run and it just literally just crushes the whole faithful um just what a move and it wasn't even from another player it just it's one of those things where just it just a bad fluke and it just happens well you know the interesting thing about this game is first of all mahomes has like it's like a kid in the candy store about how many weapons he has when i'm looking at the the chiefs offense there's not an easy out anywhere like any guy they have in a skill position is a guy that can is a home run guy that every time he touches the ball you think he's going to be able to score so he's at an all-time high with their with their confidence now what i realized about this game and watching the niners come back on them a little bit at the end before jimmy got hurt is that the way to beat kansas city is to run the ball if you can run the ball and keep the the ball out of their offense's hands and control the clock. That's that's how you're going to beat them. They're they're not great on defense yet, and we were able to to run the ball a lot, um, 177 yards on them. And so 
I kind of got to see the Chiefs at the highest and also see where they're weak. At the same time, my team, we definitely are secondary is a hot mess right now. And then we lost Sherman, and he's going to be out a few weeks. And he was like the one guy in the secondary that was at least decent. Um, our linebacking core is still solid. The front seven solid. But Jimmy getting hurt really hurts. And now we're kind of in this spot where it's like, okay, well, do we stick with – because we don't have a backup, really. We have uh, C.J. Brethard, who is from a quarterback from Iowa, so he's McKenzie's guy probably. But he's not quite ready to lead that kind of team, I don't think. Uh, he's going to have to prove me wrong on that. But we've been apparently working out the quarterbacks out. But there's not a whole lot out there, really. And so I don't know. I don't know if we're going to bring in a veteran or we're just going to roll with it. Um, but definitely puts a damper on our season because Jimmy didn't play well the first couple of games, but he started to play a lot better the second half of this game. And he definitely gives us a better chance to win than what we have left on the shelf. Um, so, but it's the name of football. It happens all the time. So we'll see how we respond next week. All right. So we'll, we t- we'll finish up talking NFL uh, and, in a little bit after uh, Bobby Hosea Jr.'s interview, and then we'll dive into college football. But right now, let's go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You guys can get all your leggings, tees, hoodies, and everything else at Zazzle.com, no joke football shop. And you can go right there at Zazzle.com forward slash gridiron beauties. Use the daily codes, save up to 25% off. And if you get Zazzle Black, you save uh, basically on shipping nationwide. So let's go into the huddle and let's talk to the uh, legendary Legends Football League Chicago Bliss. Uh, Allie Alberts in the house right here on the Gridiron Blitz. Allie, how are you doing today? Hi, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. We're doing great, uh, Allie. So um, what a season, and it turns out that you walk away as champion once again, four times uh, since 2013. This team has literally, it's literally a dynasty now in Legends Football League. I mean, you guys have literally surpassed the L.A. temptation in terms of the history of the league. So um, can you speak to just the accomplishments, uh, you know, the, the amount of players that had taken and your talent as well as others, and obviously Coach Pack now being pretty much the winningest coach in the league? Yeah, I mean, it was it was always kind of my goal coming in was to beat LA. Like after we won that first championship my very first year, I was kind of hooked, so – I always wanted to beat their three championships. Like, that had been my goal from the very start. Like, whatever it takes, as long as we beat the three, like, that's what we need to do. Um, so I really credit Hack for that because, obviously, I came into this really not knowing anything about football. So, um, you know, when I first joined that first team with Fur and Christelle and all of these weapons that we had, like, you could you could see the athletes were there and the coaching was there. We just had to put it together. So I really credit with Hack with teaching me all that that first year and really everyone who's been there even since that first year, me, Chantel, Dominique, um, you know, we just we listened to everything that he said and we took it and to heart. And from then on, we were just like, we're going to be the champions of this league. So I really credit Hack with that because without him, he would have, you know, we wouldn't have known what we were doing at all. And, his coaching has really guided us, I think, 
to those championships. Allie, um, more of a highlight reel for you when you, when we go back in history, since you've you know literally left the field now, but when we go back in history and kind of analyze the impact that you had on the sport, the what you not just on the Chicago Bliss, but on the branding itself. Uh, uh, a lot of people can relate to you. Uh, the way you play the game, there's a lot of players that can emulate you now. Um, so it's sort of like, I wouldn't say iconic in a way, but it's getting to that level where certain players in this league now, as they're leaving, you know, Gaxiola left. Um, a lot of players mm-hmm. have left. Uh, Gorman left. Um, you're not, you're like the next person out in that sense, but a, a lot mm-hmm. of the LFL fans can now go back and, literally relive all these amazing plays and things that you contributed to this, not this team, but some of the championships and also for the brand. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I mean, I hope, I mean, for me, when I found football, it was really just, it was a whole new sport that I never played before. So any other time I'd played a sport, basketball, volleyball, you know, if you get too emotional or too too crazy, they tell you to settle down. So it was finally the first sport where they could just be like, oh, you're crazy? Like, use that, direct it in this direction, and you're going to be better for it. So, I mean, I I hope that people can go back and, and look and kind of see the fire that I, I played with because it's really just sport for me. It's my, it's my favorite sport. It's It's hard to say. I try to be more of like, a leader on the field and I guess especially a leader off the field my big thing is really film like if I'm gonna especially in the playoffs like if we're gonna beat you I'm just gonna watch hour after hour after hour I've seen every play that you've played multiple times like I know what routes you're gonna run you know what I mean like that's how I prepare so that's harder to see on film but I think that's what you know if if girls want to be there that's what they need to do but I I appreciate you saying all that yeah and you know what you're kind of like a, a moment in a sense you you announce you're going to retire and you have this, this return for touchdown in, against Nashville. And then you literally just walk off the field and onto the stands. And I mean, I think in general, that will be the biggest moment that Bliss fans will kind of remember is the fact that that's a huge, you know, huge moment to just take a interception and all of a sudden it just nails, nails in the coffin and you're just, you're moving on. And then you go to Austin and, you you play a real good game in Austin as well, and and you top it off with a championship. Yeah, that was. I mean, I, I really couldn't have asked for a better goodbye to Chicago with that walk off interception. I mean, th- they literally could have won the game on that. So it was it was a huge play. But the game, you know, the play right before that, Kristen had just done it. So it was it could have been anyone. It, it's awesome that it was me. I'm, I'm happy, but. Um, I'm just glad that we won the game at the end of the day. Uh, but And I'm also glad that I, I got to play in the championship game because, you know, on the on the reverse, that was right before um, that play. I had That's when I had broken my ribs. So, you know, my doctor was like, yeah, you can't play in the championship game. And I was like, well, it's the championship game and it's my last game. So, yeah, I'm going to play. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, like, I was, I was I'm sorry, but that's not going to be the diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, thank you for your opinion. Um, like, we're going to win this game, so I'm going to be out there playing. But, yeah, I, I'm just glad we came away with a W at the end of the day on that Legends Cup because we were also beaten and bruised from the Nashville game. We knew it was going to take everything we had to beat them. So 
we we just wanted to make it through, and that's all. I was I was literally trying to avoid tackles. Like, hey, the whole defense knew that they they all needed to make the tackle because I couldn't land on my rib. So it was it's such a team effort at the end of the day. That's what I really take away from this season is like they were all the girls that I I didn't a lot of the new girls with the season that where I wasn't allowed to play, they came together and, and I really got to know them as as players and they got to learn who I was as a player. So it was it was just a super fun season as far as like team wise. Like I, I knew we were gonna win the championship. I knew it was gonna take everything and everyone everything just kinda hit at once. It was great. Uh, Allie, you also, you know, uh, Chris Del Harris uh, le- leaves. We don't know the backstory because we only know what we are told and what we read. Um, so that's mm-hmm. normally the case. But, you know, you lose Chris Del Harris, which is a huge loss. But you pick up uh, Devel Thompson and then Tamika Robinson and sort of the one-two punch there. And Tamika uh, Robinson and Javel in, in Austin, literally uh, with uh, Jane, she really just – stood out as the offensive threat and then there it is that it literally sealed the deal for uh the bliss in terms of an offensive threat because they were running the ball and and jane obviously open space you give her open space she's ready to go yeah that's i mean obviously christelle's my good friend and there's no one that could really replace christelle and what she does but javel had been sitting kind of you know on the sidelines for a few years and it was just her time to shine. You know, she would have shined a few years ago if she had been given the chance. It was just that our, our roster on Chicago really is so deep that we have girls that would be superstars on other teams that are sitting the bench on our, on our team. So I'm just really glad that we got to showcase her talent because she's deserved it. She deserved to be out there playing and starting and, and being in these big games. So I'm just super happy that Javel got her shot this year and really just kind of showed what she could do. Now, alongside you, you have Petra Zulo, which is a beast, and she's been a journey person. You got Chantel, yep. uh, Dominique, just like the, I would say the Deion Sanders. I, I, I mean, she's played so well for over the years. Uh, she has, mm-hmm. She's just awesome. And so just on, on the roster itself for this year, there were just a lot. If you look at that roster, you're like coming in against the game against Nashville, they were really talented and youthful and and you had a, a couple pieces with veterans and stuff, but when you start looking at, at your roster, you started to see just a lot of experience, and you're not going to beat that, especially when somebody's already played six, seven years in this league. Yeah, I think that's what um, – I mean, there there was a great opponent, but they did have five girls going both ways, and we have and, – and Hack makes it so that everyone only goes one way. So – I think when it came down to it, like we had more vets on both sides of the ball and we were still pretty fresh because we'd only been playing one way. So, um, and when you put all those pieces together, all the girls at every position, we were, were that's kind of how I felt at the beginning of the year. Like there wasn't, especially on the defense, like there wasn't a hole that I was worried about. You know, there wasn't an area of the field that I needed to shadow because I was worried that they couldn't make their assignment. You know what I mean? It was everyone was where they needed to be and everyone was at the type of athlete that could handle that position. So I I knew that going into this season. I mean, to be honest with you, we had the same caliber athletes last year. It's just we didn't put it all together. So it was nice to, to have that roster and actually fulfill what, what we should be doing. So, yeah, I agree with you. We, we, had, we had peace at every position. 
Let's bring in Holly here to pick your brain on the uh, playoffs and the Legends Cup here. Holly, linebacker for Seattle uh, Majestics, and she can relate to a defensive mindset as well. So uh, let's let's have her poke your brain here. Sure. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Hello. Uh, so congratulations on a great season. Um, Thank you. I just had a, a couple of questions. Uh, so going into – uh, the the Legends Cup. You said it like you like to watch a lot of film. Um, what mm-hmm. were you looking for uh, in that game that you had found uh, by watching film beforehand? Was there something specific that you were looking for that they were going to do? Uh, a coverage that you knew that you guys were going to run, or what were you looking at going into that game? Going into the Legends Cup. Yes. Um, so. Legends Cup, honestly, when when I'm watching film, I'm not looking for any one thing in particular. I'm I'm watching all of their – since I'm only playing defense this year, I, I just watch all of their offensive film, and I chart – I say I, but it's actually my husband and I that watch all the film, and then we chart all the plays, and so we know – actually, I say, again, this is my husband that's doing all the charting. I'm just writing it down in my little notebook, but – He's charting what play they're running on what part of the field, so I know what types of plays that they run, you know, keen and in, is it 15 to 25, is it, you know, red zone, where are they running these plays? And then also on those plays, I really like to look at how they're blocking so that I know who's going where, and when we make our defensive game plan, we kind of know how to attack it. Like, okay, if we attack this gap here, she's pulling here. So really I'm watching every single offensive play and, and the blocking and how defensively we're going to beat that. So I don't know if that answers okay. your question or not. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that, that totally does for sure. I I, I get that. Um, how did you get into football in the in the first place? I know like uh, Oscar played a little intro that had an interview with you, and it sounded like you were, you were watching on on TV. Is that is that how it happened? Yeah. Well, I had I. That's how I got into the Dallas Dallas. I even saw it existed, really. But um, mm-hmm. I had just been playing, you know, co-ed flag leagues before that. So just running routes, catching balls, realizing that I really like playing football and, and playing this game. And then I saw it on TV, and I was like, oh, like, I can run routes. I can catch balls. I'm, I I can play just like these girls. So that was kind of my my intro. I mean, obviously, I played in the schoolyard as a, as a little girl with, with the boys, but I never like suited up or anything like that, or even considered it previous to that. But yeah. Okay. And what uh, what would you say the biggest surprise is about uh, playing football? What what has surprised you the most about it? Um, the biggest surprise, I think, how how really close you get with your team and especially like a championship team or just a team where it really feels like a team, you know, like the best football teams are the ones where it's, it's just everybody is out for each other and everyone's making their assignment because they're doing it for each other. I think that is in football, it's more so a team than it feels like almost any other sport, because if you guys are doing that and you're hitting all cylinders, that is like, there's nothing better feeling in the world. You know what I mean? When you're off, it sucks. But when everybody's on and it's all just in, there's, there's not another feeling like it. 
You know, we have a, a saying that uh, football is, is family, and it, it's true because you, you literally need every single person to make it work. It's um, the most team yep. team sport out there. So, um, yep. uh, so what, who's your favorite NFL team? Well, you know, I'm from St. Louis, so it used to be the Rams, but I had to have, let that dream die. So I am now an official Saints fan. Oh, Oscar, she she traded your team. I, I hear this, but I, I don't want to hear it. But, yeah. <laughs> but she got Drew Brees, so I, I guess that's cool. Yeah, Drew Brees is the man. Great game, the last game. I'm, I, I, love, I love the Saints. My husband's from New Orleans, so I have adopted their team as my own now. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, was it kind of heartbreaking when, when they moved him back to L.A.? Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, being from the Midwest, losing anything to L.A. is really hard to hear. It's like a, it's just like a stab in the heart. But, yeah, I can't. Honestly, I can't even watch the L.A. Rams. can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Luckily, my uh, I'm a Niners fan. My team hasn't gone anywhere, so fingers crossed. Um, but I, yeah. I get that. If my team up and moved in the middle of the night, like I would be really upset, too. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Uh, what's next for you since you um, have now retired? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. Um, right now, I'm just, you know, I just bought like a, a dental practice or a, a practice owner, so I'm trying to just focus on work. But I honestly don't know what's ahead of me athletically because, you know, I was asked the same question back in college when I, when my last year of college, you're like, what are you going to do for sports? And you're like, heck, I don't know. So, <laughs> I have no idea right now, but I'm sure something uh-huh. will fall into my lap. I, I get it. I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine if you play a sport, what you do after, since it's such a part of you. Um, yeah. Um, but I wish you, you know. all the best. Um, you know, I think you had a great uh, final season, and, and like Oscar said, you kind of had that walk-off situation, and that's what a lot of athletes want to happen. They want to leave on, on their terms, and and at the top, so I think you're. Uh, I think you had a great opportunity. You took advantage of it, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Even if it's, uh, you know, uh, your awesome dental practice. If it's, you know, you invent some new dental game, like maybe <laughs> flag dental league or something. I don't know. Whatever you want. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, I don't know. It'll be good. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, back to you, Oscar. All right. So, Allie, um, we were tickled uh, that you were able to come on. Uh, we got a lot of fans on our uh, Facebook and all our social sites. And um, I was like, we're going to reach out because we really want to uh, showcase uh, your talent, not on the field also, but, you know, your uh, tremendous uh, things that you've done off the field with your business and everything else. But as, as a, you know, as an average LFL fan, Anybody that's followed you since 2013 and now with your four titles to claim, um, I think the only next step for Mitchell is to really just put the uh, Hall of Fame brand on you. I mean, just just that deserving. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I don't know if that will ever happen, but I appreciate the, the kind words. <laughs> And you know what, Chicago Bliss fans, uh, I don't think they're ever going to, you know, forget all this stuff. Uh, you always were in there. Uh, that beer, that beer, uh, what do you call it, real, 
it's going to be probably forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's the one that everybody loves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, couldn't it have been, like, a great catch or a great defense play? Like, no, nah, it has to be the beer. <laughs> You're you're gonna sit there uh, and uh, you're gonna just your grandkids are gonna be right there. You're like, well, that's grandma right there. Did you know that? That's grandma right there yep. with the beer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's gonna be a great moment cool. to explain. I'm down with that. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's gonna be great. Um, so, Ali, uh, are you hanging out with the Bliss at this point? Are you just hanging out? You know, for the next season, are you just kind of like in the shadows? Uh, I mean, I know the roster is yeah, deep, I'm, so I don't think you have any yeah. concerns in terms of what's going to happen next year, right? But for the most part, I mean, Pack usually has a backup plan, and it looks like 2019 is going to be no different. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, they, they could have had girls step into my position this year. You know what I mean? Like, they they have the athletes. Like, that's never that's never the issue. So, I, I don't have any they're, – they're going to have a great team no matter what, who, who comes back. They always do. He always recruits hard. So, that's – yeah, I'm not worried about them at all. Allie, in terms of the brand – Let's just get your take on it. You, you've been here since 2013. Now it's 2019. It's the 10th anniversary mm-hmm. next year. Um, all the criticism, you've gone through the highs and lows, your highlight reel, you were at pretty, uh, what, pretty strong with oxygen. You've done a lot of things mm-hmm. for the brand. Uh, the evolution of uh, from the bikini bottoms to the leggings to the shoulder improvements to, you know, uh, to the uh, shorts that was in, uh, installed this year. So it's like at some point uh, the players have have gotten feedback or given feedback to the league and some of the changes have been done over time. So now the brand literally 10 years later has survived in a way. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, does that make you proud at the same time? I know there's pioneers prior to you, you know, from 2009 to 2013, but from your level of awareness now that the brand is really uh, up in front now, people know what it is. Uh, people can relate to certain players by name, by team. So it's the, the focus mm-hmm. has been elevated, in other words. Yeah, I mean, I hope it continues to grow in the direction that it has. I thought the leggings this year were a big step forward, and I was hoping they were going to continue in that direction. And, you know, if they do end up doing shorts again, I just hope they're just a little longer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it needs to continue to evolve in that direction. I think sports bras are a must um, for the next step, more so just for, like, when you're playing, you know, it's very easy to get hooked, your fingers hooked into an inside of the top like that. So just to make it so that it's easy for playing, you know, easier for everyone to play, um, you know, just those little tweaks that need to change, I think, it just needs to keep progressing forward. And I'm glad it's gotten, you know, when I first started, it was the first time it was Legends and no longer lingerie, and they cut off all of the, you know, flamboyant stuff that they had on there before. So that was the first step, and now they're here. So I just hope they keep progressing forward and and gathering more athletes um, that want to play it. Now, uh, Allie, what do you want to see in the future since we'll pick your brain on you? What do you want to see in the future here in the next, like, four years? Do you think it's at this point, a major TV deal in the States to make it better or get it more elevated. Um, a lot of people are, lo- you know, looking for, um, you know, less uh, less of an entertainment uh, shock value on the field. But a lot of players that I've interviewed and spoke, you know, sp- spoken to, uh, they don't care about that factor because uh, we talked to Steph McCormick last week. And it's sort of like 
when you come to game day, your whole personality just evolves into something different. And so on game day, yeah. you know, you might be soft spoken off the field, but I'm game day, you're a totally different person. And, and that is the nature of this league. And that's what it's been built on. Uh, the personality of the players standing out on camera and on game days. So do you think that's n- not going to change much, right? Yeah, no, I think that, um, that should continue. I think that just naturally continues because athletes are also performers. I know whenever I have a stadium full of people, I'm going to perform a lot better than what I don't like. I, that's just, that's, I like, I like to be out in front of people and I like to let it all out. So I think, I don't think that's going to ever change. And I hope that that doesn't change because I think that that is one of my favorite parts about it is you don't have to hold any of those emotions back and you're not going to get penalized for those emotions. Now, obviously there are things like, um, you know, late hits and horse collars and, you know, hands to the face like that, that shit needs to stop. It's, it's gone on long enough and it, it needs to stop. It's not football in my opinion and it needs to end, which is why I loved the national game so much because it really was for us such a clean game. Like they weren't trying to do that. We weren't trying to do that. Like both of us were just trying to win this football game clean. So that's what, that's what I'd like to see moving forward is just a clean, hard-hitting football game where girls are pumped up to play um, and not necessarily any of the, the, the jawing that goes on when it doesn't even make sense. I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a girl, like, stands up and goes crazy after, like, a defender is like, oh, I just got her when they just got a first down. I'm like, girl, you just left, like, that was not a good play. Like, why are you excited? You know, like, like, no. Exactly. That that, that kind of stuff, I'm like, what are you celebrating about? Like, this, that's not, okay, like, whatever. So, um, yeah, I I, I don't think that the emotion is ever going to go away because football is such an emotional game to begin with. So I don't think that I have anything to worry about that. I think it just needs to be cleaned up a little bit. Now, Allie, uh, your first time setting foot in the stadium in front of an LFL stage and to your last time, was it similar or was it scary in the first time? And was it more just, this is, this is my, my send off. It was more comfortable. Can you, can you kind of like evolve on that? Yeah, I mean, both my first game was when we played L.A., and when I got knocked out, I got my concussion. And I can remember before that game, I was very nervous because I remember her throwing me balls, and I was, like, dropping balls, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, you just need to relax. So I remember the pre, pre-game jitters that game, and then coming into Austin, the, the Legends Cup, I had jitters more just so because I just wanted to win so bad. I was just I was just like, let's play this game. I just want to win. So I, I had this similar kind of jitters going on um i don't get that for every game but definitely for for crew games absolutely and big games no question so i'd say pretty similar in that in that manner awesome so it was nice that you made the time for us i really appreciate it um we are big fans uh we will always be big big fans now uh like i said you're pretty much in the history books in terms of legends football league one of the elite players at your position on both sides of the of the of the position uh, all fantasy, all star as well, and I'm pretty sure you are going to be beloved in Chicago for a long, long time because uh, you are basically one of the elite athletes on that team and uh, a fan favorite. So I really appreciate you making the time today out of your busy schedule, and we look forward to oh, yeah. uh, you. what you're going to do with your business and what's going to come forward for Ali Alberts in the future. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate talking. All right, Allie, thank you. Uh, we'll be in touch and uh, look forward to uh, see what comes out of you and your business venture and hopefully successful as that, too. All right, sounds good. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Um, Holly, there you are. Uh, Allie Alberts, uh, Chicago Bliss legendary uh, wide receiver in safety. She played uh, a lot of seasons on this team and uh, four championships. Very competitive. She was a very uh, athletic uh, athlete in um, playing in college as well at Washington University in, in St. Louis. She won a Division three title in volleyball. Uh, she played softball, basketball, soccer, track. So she was no stranger to the uniform, considering, you know, you play volleyball and track and, and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, she was able to break out of her shell. Like she said, she, she was playing flag. And then when you say, hey, it's no different than the Mexican girls in Mexico, like I was, we were alluding to before in, in, in the previous time where they go to an evolution stage, they, they're playing uh, flag. Then they get to, oh, by the way, bikini football, which is what, the, what they call it down there. And then all of a sudden from there, they go to full kit. So it's kind of like a rush mode, right? You get a little taste in flag and then you go to this full contact. And then all of a sudden now they, they decide to go that, oh, they want to try full kit. So uh, literally sort of her evolution there. But uh, one of the greatest players in terms of the LFL brand, in terms of highlight reels, and obviously Chicago Bliss uh, in general. Yeah, I, I mean, um, any time that you have an athlete um, that is, uh, you know, essentially dominating the sport like, like she has, and they're able to walk off like she did, I mean, that's really how you, you, you think about it when you're a kid and you're dreaming about being an athlete, is you want those big moments, you want to walk off uh, at the top of your game, and so I think um, it's going to be interesting to see if the uh, Chicago Bliss can uh, fill her shoes um, because it, that's going to be very difficult to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you guys can uh, pretty much catch up, you know, search Bing, Ali Alberts, and you pretty much get all our highlight reels and videos there as well. So uh, congratulations to her on her fourth championship. Congratulations to Chicago Bliss. Uh, Chicago Bliss is having a party uh, September 29th. And get the details on our Facebook page at Great Iron Beauties as well. Um, so, Polly, let's go. Let's talk more NFL before we get uh, Bobby Hosea here in the house uh, at seven o'clock. Um, so we're going to talk to him about all the stuff that's going on in the NFL with the Clay Matthews pass rushers and stuff like that. So we'll dive into him when he comes in. But um, let's look in on the rest of the the schedule here. Um, what do we say about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Uh, I mean, the Washington take care of business, but uh, it looks like we got issues in Green Bay, uh, not the same Green Bay team. Um, so Chicago could technically be the best in the North as, as it stands today, but it could be going forward as well. Well, I mean, it's obvious that the Aaron Rodgers is not a hundred percent, but that being said, Aaron Rodgers at like 75, 80% is still better than most of the quarterbacks out there. I think that the Packers aren't necessarily in trouble, per se. I do think that the Bears have better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So that's going to you know, be an issue long term. Um, right now, I think 
it has to be Chicago and Minnesota out of that division that have been the most impressive, except for Minnesota's loss last week. I Green Bay, they're kind of a they're, they're kind of a um, a crapshoot right now. I think I think they put a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers to produce, and I don't think they have enough balance to take that pressure off of him. I think that's kind of part of the problem. Um, is that when he's 100%, he can kind of carry that load, but he's, you know, 75, 80. So they're going to have to find ways uh, to make him feel comfortable. They're going to have to find ways to um, pass protect uh, so he doesn't have to roll out and and escape for his life because he's just not going to be able to do it. But if you give him time and you give him a clean pocket, he's still going to be able to find those receivers. So I'm not – I think they're still okay – but I think you just kind of have to adjust your game plan and your strategy if if you're Green Bay and realize this is what you have for probably the rest of the season because that type of knee injury, it's not major, but it's definitely, considering he's not going to give it rest, it's going to nag you probably the rest of the season. So this is kind of pretty much what you have with him, and they're going to have to make an adjustment to it. I agree. I think that that's the case with going forward. Um they get to, I believe, next week they get the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So that'll be a very intriguing game to watch to see how Josh uh, Allen is going to do against a legend quarterback that is uh, Aaron Rodgers. So we're looking forward to this next week. Uh, it's going to be Buffalo Bills against the Green Bay Packers. Um, the other game that was really toe-to-toe, uh, we already knew it was going to be a battle. The you know It's just the South, uh, New Orleans, Edges, Atlanta, 43-37 in overtime. So uh, that was a real contested. And then Drew Brees obviously breaks another record. And so it just continue, he just continues to do what he, what he does. Uh, Matt Ryan looked pretty good. Ridley looked good. Um, so there was a combination there. Um, they got Thomas in, in, involved on the Saints side. So uh, Allie's team here just uh, edges uh, Atlanta 43-37 in overtime. Well, anytime you have Drew Brees on your team, you're going to have a chance, especially in the shootout type game. And I think what was most impressive is um, the the Saints, in order to to win the game, uh, the drive that they had to score was a long drive, and they they uh, took care of the ball, they uh, took care of the clock, and they methodically moved their way down the field into scoring position and finish it off with, with Breeze at the end. And, you know, the Saints are kind of always in there. As long as they have Breeze, even when even when they don't have a lot of things going on besides Breeze, they've always been able to at least be in the game. And I think one of the issues really comes more on the side of Atlanta of they have definitely found another weapon in, in Ridley, but they're still having issues in finishing as it, that's kind of been their issue really the last three or four years. If you look at the bigger picture, they've had issues finishing in the red zone. They've had issues finishing in the Super Bowl. They've had issues finishing. That's the problem with the Falcons. And so um, hopefully they can figure that out. Otherwise it just may be a continuation of that this year. I agree. And then they get Cincinnati next week. Uh, Dalton company, AJ green. They've been playing very good ball. Um, So Cincinnati uh, gets edged by Carolina, I believe. Yeah, 31-21, but they're hungry. So hopefully, you know, Atlanta needs to come to play. Otherwise, Cincinnati did put up 21 against uh, 
Carolina. So we'll see how that works out. Um, are you worried about Philadelphia, Holly? Uh, they almost get beat by Indianapolis. Um, so they're not the same here. Wentz comes back, uh, folds in the bench. So uh, is it just one week for Wentz? Maybe he gets on a roll here. Well, you got to understand, he's coming back from a major knee surgery. And I believe he's having to wear the same damn brace that I had to wear. And let me tell you, like, it, it definitely gives you protection. Like, you feel more stable with it on, but it, it is definitely clunky, heavy. It makes you feel slow. So, Wentz is not going to be able to do the same things he could do a year ago. It's still going to take him a minute. And then on top of that, you have to also consider the fact that it takes a minute to get into football shape, per se. You can practice. You can train. You can do all that stuff. But getting up to game speed, the only thing you can really do is to play. And so he is coming off the bench, so to speak. He's been at practice, but he has not been in game speed type situations. So you're going to have to give Wentz a little bit of breathing room in that it will take him probably a, a couple of games to get his feet underneath him. But I don't think the Eagles, um, I don't think that's their issue this year so far. Uh, it really seems to kind of be they're that team that has all the talent on paper. They added all these big names in the off season, but I don't know if they're gelling quite the way that they should be. And I think that's the bigger issue with the Eagles right now is they were great last year, but then something funny happens with chemistry and football. And you can add a couple of big names, but and you think that they're, they're going to be better for it, but sometimes it takes a minute for that to gel. And I think the Eagles are kind of seeing that. Um, they kind of eat out a, an ugly win against the Colts, but in the NFL, a win is a win, and nobody's going to remember that that happened uh, at the end of the season as long as you keep winning. So we'll see what they do. The other worrisome is in Tennessee and Jacksonville. They battled it out with field goals. Uh, I believe Mariota came back in. Uh, so it's just Tennessee is kind of like a little bit of a, I don't know, question, a lot of question marks there. They have, they have talent. They acquired talent in the offseason. Uh, Jacksonville didn't play their best game, I think, uh, defensively. Uh, on both sides of the ball, they didn't, you know, it was just kind of like a defensive battle. Both defenses came to play, and that's why you got that 9-6 to six score. Um, they get to face, I think Tennessee goes into uh, next week against the Eagles. It's going to be a tough, tough thing to do against Wentz. And then Jacksonville, I believe, let me see if I have them on the schedule. I think they have a bye week, if I'm correct, because I don't see them on the schedule. So that'll be good for them. Um, the other game was um, the uh, Seahawks taking down the Cowboys. Um, it was good, pretty good to get uh, Lockett and uh, Wilson involved so they got to feel good about a win there and and against Dallas but Dallas has just got a lot of question marks and Dallas of anything like I said they're going to be going up against Detroit which is on a high right now so that's going to be kind of interesting and Seattle uh, should be able to beat Arizona well here's the thing about that game well, I was watching the Cowboys and, and the Seahawks so Obviously, the Cowboys are, are a hot mess, and the Seahawks have been a hot mess this year. It happens to be the Cowboys are Speaking more of a hot mess. Speaking of a hot mess, the Cowboys, uh, Salty's in the house. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, 
I'm sorry for your team, but it, it honestly is a hot mess. And that's, you know, speaking from another team that is maybe just a little bit less of a mess. Um, I think it's more to do with the fact that the Seahawks got Bobby Wagner back. Their defense looks so much better with Wagner in the middle. And I think what happens is Wagner's kind of the internal vacuum of that defense where he makes other guys feel more comfortable to make plays. And, um, and the other thing that I found interesting is that the Seahawks can never run the ball in like the last five or six years since, uh, since Lynch left. And they gave the ball to, to Chris Carson 32 times. It took him 32 carries to get a hundred yards. That's so about three yards a carry. And so one of the things I thought was interesting is the Seahawks usually don't stick with the run. They kind of do it just enough to, to keep the defense a little honest. And then they just, you know, usually throw, but they stuck with the run on purpose this, this week. And I think that's going to be key for them. Um, but it also doesn't speak volumes for the Cowboys defense that they allowed that to happen. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry over there, uh, Cowboys fan, but I, I think you have a lot of issues. <laughs> I take on, on this entire Cowboys oh, dumpster fire that was, a game, I guess, if that's what we're calling it. Um, man, I don't even know where to start. Mackenzie, well, Mackenzie, um, where do you start? Do you start? Where do you think the problems are? Where do you start? I mean, do we start on defense at this point, or, or is it offensively? They just they don't have enough pieces. Um, I'm not even gonna say, as far as defensive front. I'm not even going to say anything about the defensive front because Demarcus Lawrence and the rest of the guys on the defensive front have done what they're supposed to do as far as getting pressure on the quarterback, creating plays, knocking balls out, you know, the whole nine. Um, my secondary in terms of safeties and corners is where we are not doing the best, and it's driving me insane. Um, I'm not really sure what what the, def- the what the defensive coordinator thinks from game to game. I'm not really sure. Like, I would really love to be inside of his head to try to figure out what what his game plan is from game to game as far as what he expects the secondary's jobs are to be for that game. Um, other than that, I really, I really kind of feel like the defense is going to work itself out. It usually does towards the fifth or sixth week of the season. Um, as far as offense, Zeke needs to get the ball more. Like the, he just has to until they can get back a bigger target, like a Des-like target, big, strong, tall, pretty accurate with catching. He's not going to have much success throwing the, the deep ball like he used to last year. I mean, you can only throw to Cole Beasley so much before they start to double cover him. But one thing about Cole Beasley is he, he, ninety-nine percent of the time he always catches the ball. Like that's. So, Mackenzie, they're missing, they're missing Witten pretty bad. Uh, but against the Lions next week, do you see the same result at this point? Uh, Detroit looked pretty good at the takedown, Brady and company. That was kind of a uh, surprise. But what do you feel like next week is going to look like? Um, hmm. To be honest, I think the game, I think the Cowboys-Lions game is going to go into overtime. Um, just going based off of what the Lions did to the Patriots this past week and then what the Cowboys did not do to the Seahawks this past weekend. But taking into consideration that 
the game is at AT&T Stadium. Um, they seem to play a lot better and more composed um, at Dallas. So, like I said, I think it's going to go into overtime. I don't think it's going to be a tie. I do, I do have Dallas winning by three points. Um, the past couple of games, this, this um, start of the season, I've had them winning only by three. And, and I'm an avid Dallas fan, but I just we don't have any, any wideouts. The one wideout we have, they haven't started to my knowledge. And I kind of think that's, that should change probably for the next week or two if they want that, like, if the Cowboys offense wants success, like, like, I know they can and, like, the entire organization knows they can. Yeah, and I think that's the key. The key right there is just they're missing some pieces. We'll see how they pan out there. Um, Mackenzie, what do you think of my Rams? Uh, they lose Peters. They still have weapons. What do you think of the Rams going in next week, uh, this short week against the Vikings? The Vikings look bad. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to say the Vikings look terrible as far as, I mean, like I said, everybody has a bad game or two. Um, I mean, last last weekend, I can't really say that they didn't because they got beat badly. Um, but honestly, I see the I see the Rams going to. Um, I just I kind of see them kind of coasting through the entire division as far as like beating teams handily, like and very handily at that. I mean, you have Aaron Donald one of the highest, actually the highest paid defensive player in the league with Jared Goff, who has taken, you know, a couple of years to get, get his feet set and get everything, um, you know, under control as far as ball placement, as far as who he's going to, as far as hot read, like he's just taken a couple of years to get developed. And now that he's developed, the Rams are pretty much unstoppable at this point in my eyes. It's going to be tough to beat them. All right, so let's go into the second huddle here, um, sponsored by Zazzle.com, and let's bring in the coach, and that is uh, Bobby Hosea, Jr. Um, He's coming in to talk about NFL, and we got it uh, in the house, the coach. Uh, Bobby Hosea, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Oscar. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I wanted to bring you in because three weeks into this season, uh, we didn't know what a catch was last year, and somehow we have no idea what a pass rusher should do on a quarterback. Yeah, it's, it is kind of confusing, isn't it? What What's going on? I don't know. Um, it's obvious that they're kind of confused about what decision they want, what direction they want to go. I mean, how do you tackle somebody and not fall on them? Now, I know when you want to give somebody the business, you pile drive them, you're trying to hurt them, but if you just tackle a guy and fall down because of gravity, how is that a penalty? What are we doing? I don't know. But anyway, it's kind of confusing. So, Coach, do you think Clay Matthews has a, a you know, a valid uh, irate mentality for the fact that, like he says, what do you do? You can't pillow under the, going to the quarterback to prevent the head to hit the ground, and you don't want to slam them, apparently, because that's not kind and friendly, <laughs> I guess, if you want to call it that. I don't know what to do. I mean – you, well, what the NFL knows that the quarterback, without the quarterback, your team's going to die, you know, not going to have a very good season. It's going to be pretty much over. The fans aren't going to come. It's going to affect the bottom line. I think that's what the deal is. But it's also going to affect the bottom line if you can't play up to your potential, play full-speed football, because that's not real football. Now, back in the day, I'm, you know, I've been around a long time. The quarterbacks got hit real hard. In fact, we were, 
guys were taught to ear hold them. You know, that means take the crown of your helmet and put it in, you know, in the ear hole of the helmet of the quarterback and things like that. And, and so they were deliberately trying to hurt the quarterback. And so I understand trying to protect them, but when the defender hits them properly, like you hit everybody else, I can't see that being a penalty. I don't understand it. So I guess they got to work it out. Like the refs, you know, they get, they get it, they get a told what to do and they get an edict or they get the memo and then they go out and they try to, you know, call what they see and then they'll talk about it afterwards. But in the meantime, you lose a game on something that's pretty much routine um, for forever. And now it's all of a sudden it's not. So it is kind of confusing. And I wouldn't want to be a defensive end nowadays. That's for sure. Now, Bobby, the frustration on the defensive side of the ball is always going to be like hyped up even more, but the players, I mean, as a player and I, I want to say as a defensive coach, I mean, this is kind of be a weird season, right? Because you're coaching, you like you you alluded to, you, you've coached so this way so far, so for so long. All of a sudden, now you're told to just what put a uh, put some flags on the hips on the quarterback and just kind of strap the, the hips off when you're going to create a sack, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, man. We you know we went from in the grasp and in the grasp stopped it, right? It's, instead of you know, when they had him in the grass, it was obvious he couldn't get away, so not four or five guys pile him into the ground. So they would, it, that was good. Now you can't – one person can't tackle him and take him to the ground? I mean, come on. That, like, they'll work it out because if they don't, it's going to affect the bottom line. And that's what it's really all about, the NFL. The NFL only cares about one thing, and that's the bottom line, right? So, so Bobby, uh, I think the, we're yeah. going to watch the uh, AAFF, the Alliance Football League, to see how they do their thing. And if they do their thing way better in the league – the NFL's got competition just on those things alone. And uh, women's football does the proper tackling, so I guess people are going to have to be, go watch women's football. <laughs> well, the Los Angeles Bobcats are going to be doing uh, proper tackling, what we've done for the last four years. Uh, they want to see real, true to the nature of the game, physical, but without using your helmet to tackle, block, or run over an opponent. You watch the Bobcats, that's how we do it, or else you're going to come off the field and I'm going to take your helmet, and you're not going to get it back. We don't hit with our head. We play with our mind, not with our head. So they just have to stop putting the head to the side. They have to stop shoulder tackling. When you lead with the shoulder, you're actually leading with your head because to put your shoulder on a person's hip, you're putting your head down there. And so head to the side is it's not it's conjecture that it's safe. It's not safe. It's just whenever you put your head down, and here's another thing, comparison to rugby, right? People are, well, rugby, no, rugby – has rules. They call the gate. If you're a defender, you as a second defender coming in to make the tackle, you cannot come in like we do in, in American tackle football. Anywhere. Diving from the back, from the front. In rugby, you have to come around to the front and enter through the gate if you want to assist on the tackle. So putting your head to the side is, is not as dangerous because you're not going to meet your teammate in what you call friendly fire and get it in the top of your head. But I, I don't believe in tackling like that because it puts your head and your hips on the same level. And when you get to hitting the top of the head, you're going to compress the spine and you're going to damage your neck and your brain's going to fly forward in your skull. So why do it? It's Russian roulette. Uh, I don't know why they're teaching it. Um, it's going to lead to more injuries and it's going to lead to more lawsuits and it's going to lead to the end of football, especially when you think about high school and the youth level, they're not going to be able to get insurance. Uh, so it's going to be the end of it. So, And you already got states banning youth football. California just... They didn't submit the bill to the floor. They didn't bring it to the floor, but there was a lot of hoopla about it for like six or eight months or maybe even a whole year 
about banning youth football for 14 and under in the state of California, and then they ended up not to the floor in Sacramento. So, but it's going to come back, and especially with, if the injuries continue to mount up. So, Bobby, I always bring you in here because you have such a grasp on it that the average fan doesn't, and you kind of understand what the player's risk is. So do you think the NFL at this point is doing a detriment to the, what's happening here, or they've got to gotta make some better changes? I mean, what, what can be done to – I mean, this is – for me, I was watching the game. I thought it was a clean tackle. You have to have – the momentum has to carry you to the ground. I don't understand how that was a – you know, not a clean tackle on a pass rush. I mean, Clay Matthews tackle, he put his head to the side, wrapped him up, fell down on the ground, was nice about, you know, I mean, what are you supposed to do? So, yeah, the NFL is not about, it's, first of all, it's not a player, they don't have a player-centered coaching philosophy. And what is a player-centered coaching, coaching philosophy? Protect the player's life and immediate and long-term well-being. And that's not the number one thing. That number one thing is to protect the brand, protect the shield, uh, make money. Okay, that's and and and, and sadly, it trickles down uh, to the college, it trickles down to the high school, and all the way down to the youth. They, everybody's emulating them, but the problem is they've been doing it that way for so long that they want, to me, they want you to think that these injuries are just part of the game because you didn't do it right. When you did it exactly right, you put your head and your hips on the same level. You ran into a pile of men. And they're all flying around, and you're going to catch it one of these days. And and that's what's going on. They're really playing Russian roulette every time they, they do the hawk tackle, every time they do the rugby-style tackle. You're putting your head and your hips on the same level, and you got teammates flying all over the place, offensive players are flying all over the place trying to help the block. you got back spinning at the last moment. And then you go to tackle a hip, and he's gone, and there's your teammate coming. He's trying to tackle the other hip, and he ends up hitting you on the top of your head. I think that's what happened to one of the players the first game of the season. Uh, I forgot what college game it was. A defensive back went down on the kickoff, and he went to go put his shoulder on the guy's hip. The back spun to his left, to his, the back's right, to the defender's left, and the other defender came from the other side and hit, hit his teammate in the top of the head, and he was knocked out on the ground. It was really ugly. His arms were extended. He, they were shaking. You could tell he was, he was unconscious, but it's because of the technique. If you don't teach that, these kinds of injuries won't happen. So uh, I, 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 I was instrumental in, in creating Heads Up in 2009. They called me. Uh, I called them first in 2007. I, I, I wrote Commissioner Goodell and told them that I had a system of tackling that would eliminate a lot of the injuries that you see today because of the techniques. And at that time, they wrote back and said, well, he didn't write me back, but a lawyer in his office wrote me back and said, well, thank you, but no, thank you. We, we probably have something already in the mix, and so we don't take outside solicitation. And I said, okay. And then in 2009, I get a call for, uh, when USA Football came about, and they wanted to create heads-up tackle. And they asked me to look at what they were teaching, and they were teaching exactly what they're teaching now. Head to the side, um, bite the ball eyes through the thighs, wrap them up. All the things that I had learned since 1997 are the reasons why we get anatomically in the position that, that causes our head to initiate contact or be initiated by the ball carrier or a defender or a blocker. So my thing is I don't want to see any of these little kids that were under my watch not be able to get up. So I, I literally prayed after. I said, Lord, teach me to teach them. And that's where this thing came from. That's why it's perfect, creative the universe gave me this vision back in 97, <laughs> for real. 
And I've been doing it ever since. And I can say to this very day, I haven't had a player get a stinger, let alone a concussion, nor a, a broken neck or paralyzed or, God forbid, die. Because we don't put our head in a position to be impacted and we hit you harder. You know, and, and then in 2011, a scientific research study was done on my system and approved by LA84 Foundation, the largest funder in California of youth sports. Uh, they proved that it eliminates the behavior that leads to these types of of, of helmet-involved uh, tackles. And once you eliminate those, then you eliminate the injuries that come along with them. So I don't know what the NFL, what their problem is. Um, they're killing the league, and maybe they just need new leadership. And maybe we don't need to – youth in high school and college don't need to follow the NFL's lead because we need to put our players first and then not money because there's no money made for high school kids. There's no money in youth football. There's no money in college football for the players. So – Let's put them first, and these things will go away. We can fix it. Do you, Bobby, do you think the NFLPA has a responsibility to push that on a CBA level to mandate something like that for safety well, of the players? Because I don't even think they understand it, it. Isn't that the Players Association? That's the play, Players yeah. Association, right? Aren't they supposed to look out for the players? Well, it doesn't look like they're look, their leadership has never played football, so they don't really understand what's going on themselves. So they wouldn't know what a safe tackle was because they don't know what a dangerous tackle is. If, in order to, to say safe, that we're playing safe, you've got to know what's playing, what is dangerous first, right? So, for example, I, I give coaches because I, I got tired of debating with people because I know better, so I'm not going to debate with someone who doesn't have enough information to even have an opinion about what I do. So I just said, okay, ask yourself five questions. And what are they, Coach? I said, okay, what do you teach on an angle tackle? Coach is going to tell you, head across the front. Okay, Coach, what is the objective of that instruction? Okay, then they, whatever their, their answer is, because I don't teach it, so I'm not going to give you an answer. I don't teach head across the front. So when they tell you head across the front, and then whatever reason they tell you that, then you ask them, what is the risk of that instruction? Now they have to visualize what body posture they've placed their athlete in by giving them that instruction, okay? So then you say, okay, well, what is the consequence of that risk? Then they got to look at it and say, okay, well, this is the consequence. He can get paralyzed. He can die. He can get a broken neck. He can get a concussion. He can get a stinger. Yes. Okay, what is the result of that consequence? First of all, the young person's life has changed forever. His family's life has changed forever, depending on how severe the injury is. And then you're going to get sued. And your league is going to get sued, and your, everybody's going to get sued because they're allowing you to teach this technique, okay? And then you, hopefully if you have a heart, you'll have a hole in your heart because you're the one who told them to do it and got them hurt in the first place. And then the last question, the fifth question is, what is the alternative to the original instruction? So now you've got to do your due diligence and say, well, wait a minute. If I, put him, if I instructed him with this instruction that caused his body to get like this, what can I teach that will cause it not to get like that? Aha. <laughs> that's where the due diligence comes in to go out and seek it and find it and not just buy into what the NFL is doing because the NFL's first love is not the players. The NFL's first love is money. And that's just because it's a business. True. And that's a fact. True. And, so, Bobby, let's so bring in uh, Holly here, pick your brain as well. Uh, and then we've got McKenzie and Troy here too. So, Holly, shoot hey, away. Guys. <laughs> hey, hey Holly. how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, I totally understand what you're saying. I think that, you know, and I agree with Oscar too. I think, I don't think that the NFL really necessarily cares about player safety. I don't think they ever really did. 
I, I think you're right. I think it's more about the branding and the image of the sport. And I think what's kind of interesting to me is that I don't understand why they don't, I don't understand why they don't understand that protecting the players, that is actually the shield and that's actually the brand itself. Um, but that's a long, long discussion. Uh, one of my questions that I have for you is that, yes. Uh, you know, now that we have a little bit more attention on uh, protecting players a little bit, at least um, as far as concussions, et cetera, uh, I have noticed there have been strides in things uh, equipment-wise, like helmets, mouth guards, that sort of thing. What are your takes on that? Do you do you think that we're progressing uh, in better equipment, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, the equipment is better, but you the anatomics, uh, if that's the right word, the body, the physical body, your brain is is a, is a free-floating membrane, right? And it's floating around in a, in a vat of spinal fluid inside your skull. And when your head stops immediately, your brain flies forward and slams against the inside of your skull, and your skull is very jagged on the inside, and it tears. And that's when you have the concussion and it bleeds, and you can it can get worse, you know, coma, all that kind of stuff. So the equipment... Is really, I remember I, I, uh, Zenith uh, when it first came out. Um, I, I met the uh, the creator of Zenith at a, at a at a Glacier clinic, and they ended up sponsoring my camps because he believed in what I was teaching. And so one day my son picked up the helmet and says, "Oh man, this is great! Now I can hit with my head." And I was like, "Oh no, you can't!" And then I said to uh, the creator of uh, of Zenith helmet, I said, "You you got to be more." Uh, more, more, more outspoken about safety because now you've made such a good helmet. People think that they're invincible, that they can do these certain, they can hit with their head when it's not. You know, there's no equipment. It's really how you do it. Like for example, now you've seen the the tackle tube they have, like this inner tube they roll out and they have kids tackle it. Well, okay. that they think that's innovative. It's not. It's it's the Jim Thorpe tackle. I have a picture of Jim Thorpe tackling the very first tackle dummy. And he's doing exactly like the hawk tackle. He's doing exactly like the the uh, rugby tackle. He's doing, and they even call it the dog tackle. Well, a dog biting a tire. What happens to a dog that bites a, a car that's going down the street and he tries to bite the tire? He ends up with his head as flat as the street, and he's laying on the side of the street, finished. Right. So why do they call it dog tackle when you're putting the player precisely in the position to get them hurt? Uh, I think football needs to make an adjustment. Okay, and this is where football is kind of hypocritical. Everybody talks about you've got to make adjustments, and, okay, do that at halftime. Okay, let's start looking at our plays. Instead of saying, why did that sweep not work, let's ask the question, why is Linda not getting up after filling the hole in that A-gap? Why is Joe not getting up if he came up on the sweep? Well, Coach, he bit the ball. She did the hawk tackle. Oh, so what does all that mean? Well, it means their head and their hips are on the same level, whatever you call it. The physical mechanism of putting your head and your hip, and you can have, so-called have your head up. You don't have your head up. You have your eyes up. But when you run into something, your head's going to – it's still the same dynamic. So it's a false. So I, here's what I found out. And I, I found out from a lawyer. And the guy says, when you do someone gets hurt leaving your property, and you didn't know that that was an injurious area, say your porch it had a loose plank and you knew nothing about it and they stepped on it and fell through and broke a leg. Okay, you fix it, repair it, because you didn't know it was dangerous. They can't come back and sue you for that. But if you knew that plank was loose and you never repaired it, that's negligence. So the lawyer told me was 
they know this has been injurious. They know these for, ever since the game's been around for the 1800s. These injuries have been happening. But they continue to do it the same way. If you look at Jim Thorpe, you look at the 30s, you look at the 40s, look at the 60s, and all the way up to today, they're tackling exactly the same way. Head and hips on the same level, but they call it the fancy name, the hog tackle, you know, and all this. And the guy even said, well, hey, they won a Super Bowl playing, doing a hog tackle. That's okay. Well, how many guys are still on that team? Okay, you, you see where Cam Chancellor just retired because of neck injuries from tackling that way. You see where um, – uh, the young, the 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 the, the, the safety that wants to go to Dallas now, Earl Thomas. Two years ago, he wanted to retire because of his shoulder injuries from tackling that way. Uh, the whole team, uh, Cliff Cliff Averill, his career is over. And so you look at it like that. Well, why are these young men careers are over now? Is it because they're too old to play? No, they're damaged. Why are they damaged? Because of the way they were tackling. And so football needs to look at the way they're teaching it and adjust and own up to it. And, let, and what I'm being told is that the lawyers will not allow them to change because that means they have to admit that they were wrong in what they were teaching. It's like all this money they're spending on the brain injuries because guys played with concussions. Well, now no player from 2015 moving forward claims CTE against the NFL because the NFL says, well, you guys now know what, how dangerous it is to play with a concussion. They didn't. So that's why you guys are not eligible for it if you get CTE. Yet the NFL had a 58% increase in concussions in 2015. So none of those guys that are going forward. So what, what's causing all these concussions? It's the technique. It's the way they do it. All they have to do is – I haven't had a player I'm talking about now. I've coached my star player, kid who happened to be on the team in 1997, was Deshaun Golson. He went to the 49ers in the fourth round after coming out of graduating from the University of Washington. He ended up making all pro. They went to the Super Bowl one year. They, 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 didn't, they, they didn't win it. But he was one of the biggest reasons why their defense took off like they did because of the way he hit. And, the way, and then one year after I had told USA Football to do not teach the kids to put their head to the side, and then I wrote Roger Goodell to, to get after them to don't let them do that, and then I, in the same letter, I told him, please go back to what I donated to you or cease and desist using my name, my likeness, my turns, my drills, everything. Because I didn't want to have any responsibility blamed on me for the kids getting hurt that's going to get hurt, teaching them to put their head to the side. Because that's what they were doing always anyway. But they chose to do it that way. That's why I have no affiliation with the USA football or the, or, uh, the NFL. So they, they didn't admit that CTE is caused by what they did. Okay, they still haven't admitted guilt for that. Okay, so they're not going to turn around and say, yeah, we've been tackling wrong. We need to listen to Coach Bobby. They're not going to listen to me. So my focus now is on, that's why I created, no, I can't say I created, that's why I founded the Bobcats. Because I said, let me go someplace where there is no NFL influence, where there is no USA football influence, where there is no Pop Warner influence. Okay, let me go where there's nobody in the way. And I can teach people who've never tackled to be physically tough tacklers, unafraid, don't get hurt, and we'll win. And this is exactly what we did. So I'm very proud of the young ladies that make up my team. And now I'm back at my junior college in San Bernardino where I actually went to junior college. I'm back for my second – really it's my third stint because I started coaching in 82 at this very college. And now I'm back for my second year. And we're 3-1, and and we've had one concussion. And how did he get it? He led with his head. Now everybody's not – no one's doing that anymore. They stopped and they listen now. It's hard to get older guys to listen because they, it's, it's, it's in them, right? It's been 
ingrained in them. So I hope I answered your question. <laughs> I get a little long. Yeah, yeah, you, you you did. I think I think what it kind of comes down to is that I think the NFL is is very image conscious, and so I think what they're doing is they're they're writing in a thousand rule changes, thinking that's going to make them look better, but they're not actually addressing the issues at hand. Uh, which is a deeper problem. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing now. And I think even though this season's been ridiculous with, you know, Clay Matthews hit and a few other hits that I've seen, I I think maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they'll hopefully pay attention more and maybe push it a little bit back the other direction and maybe look at the bigger issues. But I think you're right. I think um, the real issues are a lot deeper than a rule change, and I think it's going to take a while to get to that. Uh, but I definitely yeah. appreciate your feedback. I'm going to um, pass it on over to McKenzie. Okay. Thank you so much talking. Good talking to you. No problem. Hit me up anytime. For sure. Hey there. How you doing? I'm well, McKenzie. How are you? You know, I'm living a dream, to be completely honest with you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm with that. So, absolutely. So here's a couple, here's a question. This is kind of, yes. I guess this is kind of a two-parter. So, with um, the Green Bay Packers' most recent events, as far as um, Aaron Rodgers breaking his collar collarbone last year, and then um, Clay Matthews now getting two huge 15-yard penalties back-to-back with in back-to-back weeks. Do you think it's just the refs making sure that they're, you know, really keeping a hold on the new um, targeting and tackling rule? Or do you think there's, you know, some refs may be just uh, kind of coming after, not really coming after, but um, paying special attention to those bigger linebackers like Clay Matthews to ensure safety, uh, quarterback safety? I just think they're being overly – cautious, um, overreacting to it. They have to judge. You can tell when a guy is giving somebody the business. You know when someone's trying to hurt someone. I know. I can tell. I can see it. Uh, so I think those guys, they're at work. That's their job. And they've been given a mandate, protect the quarterback. No, but none, none of this right here. So that's his judgment in that moment. That guy violated the new rule that I've been given this afternoon. Okay, so in my mind, uh, i got to throw this flag. Last year it was, okay, um, Rogers getting hurt last year. I think that's just part of the game, and you can't take that out of the game. If you deliberately trying to hurt someone, I don't see anybody deliberately trying to hurt anybody anymore. I don't. I'm 62 years old, and I know what, when you're trying to take somebody out. And I've seen people get taken out, and I've heard coaches say take them out, and I've seen guys get taken out, and, and, and I know the difference. And I don't know if the officials know the difference, but like I said, this is the, they're just being overreactive. Maybe. And say midseason, we might not see these penalties, right? We might not see mm-hmm. these penalties. So I just think it's the refs being overcautious, overreacting, and they're going to have to go back just like we watch film, right? After our games, look at what worked, what didn't work. They're going to look at their mm-hmm. calls that they should have made or that they did that, 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 that they that did made that they shouldn't have made. So they're just like us, and they got to get better at their game too. So I don't I don't put the fault on the refs. They've been given an edict, you know. That's what their job is to. Look out for the quarterback. This is coming from the league, so they got to do what the league office says. But I think the league is going to do the same thing. They're going to look at this is our product. We got to try to protect it, but we can't be ridiculous. We can't, you know, we got 
you can't put a and I hate saying that you can't put a skirt on because I coach women. I, these women wear skirts, and my my players wear skirts, and they are tough. So skirt doesn't it doesn't apply anymore. You know what I mean? So I don't know what you do. You can't you can't put a a ribbon and a bow on him and say don't hit this guy unless you're going to turn him and okay you tag him, and then now you're going to have the offense saying hey he he wasn't down. What do you mean he he threw the guy open? He scored a touchdown. We won. No, you didn't. He tagged you. You you were down. So is that going to be the extreme? Is that what that was going to happen? But no, I don't see that happening. I see them, you know, just working out the kinks. But I, I, I want to go back real quick because I wanted to say something about them. There is no new rule when it comes to helmet. It's the same rule. They've never abided by it ever. And then because it, they can't abide by it because of the technique that they're using, and they will never be able to abide by the rule as long as they use the techniques that they're teaching. And, and that's a fact. So once they abide the law of physics, you know, uh, obey the law of physics, and you will be able to follow the rules of the game. Simple as that. Wow. I really couldn't agree with you more, to be completely honest. Um, So this next part of my question kind of uh, stems off of um, referees, you know, being overly cautious. Um, So do you think that with – them wanting, you know, being overly cautious and making sure the quarterback is protected. Do you think uh, other other positions and other other players that play other positions feel like they're not being equally protected? Um, you know, if you know, let's say an offensive lineman throws a huge chop block at a you know at a defender, um, you know, something to that effect, or an extreme you know face mask or an extreme hold of some kind. Do you, do you maybe feel like um, other positions aren't being looked Look, I guess looked after as closely as quarterbacks are. Well, I'll put it like where everybody can understand it. You got two kids, you got a bunk bed. They share the room. You got a baby at the top bunk, and you got a baby at the little bunk, lower bunk. You take a blanket, you put one on a blanket on the one at the lower bunk, but you don't put a blanket on the one. Uh, and they both have the same exact, you know, one sheet, and it's cold. But yet one, you put a blanket on, the other one you ignore. So you love one of your children more than you love the other? One more, one is more valuable than the other child? No, no parent would ever think that, right? I mean, I would give my child my blanket and I would go without. I just put my arms inside my T-shirt and cover my legs, try to, you know, keep warm the best I could and make sure my children are warm. So I would think all players should be treated equally. But I do understand the quarterback position, but you got big, strong men fighting, trying to get to him with all their might. And these guys are huge, and they're coming at you full speed, and he's looking downfield, and he is very vulnerable. So those times when you can take a little bit off of it, because you got to understand, it's been ingrained in these guys to take this guy out. Whether you knock the wind out of him or maybe you make him dizzy or see stars, they've been taught to do that. So now we have to retrain these guys that are coming in. Once they got him, you don't have to pile drive him. Once you got him, just hold him and don't take him to the ground. If that's the case, they can control themselves, but it's really hard because you're talking about a guy that's, you know, you're full speed and you've got a big strong man or a big strong woman battling you as well and everybody's going all out. So it's really hard to, to push that button and it's going to take time. It's going to probably take a generation. Uh, I, I, that's what I see because it's in, you got to understand, I'm a defensive player and I, use, I know I was trying, and it's bad to say, but I was brought up that way. We were trying to knock guys out, not by hitting them in the head, but just hitting them as hard as we can to make them feel it, right? I want you to feel it. Well, 
That's in everybody that plays the sport. They want people to feel on defense. You want to, I want this guy to feel me, and I want him to be afraid of me, and I want him to fumble <laughs> the football. I'm trying to knock it loose. And it's not to be an injure someone. It's just the nature of the game is to be physical. And you can be physical uh, and, and, and not try to hurt someone. You're not intentionally hurting them. You're, they have on shoulder pads. They have on helmets. They have on the side pads. They have on everything. So they're out there with you You're between the stripes. So it's going to be hard. Uh, but I think that back to what you had asked me regarding the refs, I think in time, like I said, by midseason, maybe even sooner, especially after this week, everybody's upset about what Clay Matthews uh, tackle. The refs are going to go and, and look at do film study, and they're going to address it, and then a new memo is going to come out. And that's what's going to watch this week. Watch what happens. Okay, I, I don't think a quarterback's getting tackled, just normally tackled, is going to be a penalty. I, 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 I can't believe that. If that's the case, man, football has really changed. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with more. And as far as, um, you know, being taught to, you know, take, not purposely hurt them, or but just, you know, to basically use all of your effort, use all of your force to, essentially impose your will on somebody being a defensive player myself. I start, I started out at D end and had, and essentially dropped a bunch of weight and moved, ended up moving my way into nose tackle and D tackle position. So I know, you know, firsthand as far as the contacts concerned, as far as, you know, driving your helmet into the ear hole and just forcing your will. So I think that analogy you used as far as, you know, having one child that you love more over the other is a perfect, perfect way for people to understand it. Yes. So, yes. With that being said, I am going to hand it over to Troy. Thank you very much. Well, Mackenzie, thank you. I appreciate the questions and and all the best to you this, this season coming up. What do you who what, what do you play? You still play? I do. I actually play fullback now. Um, there you go. <laughs> I I started I started out playing uh, defensive analyst, and then I moved my way into the line, and I I for the most part play both sides of the ball. Okay, they give you the rock to tote that mail. Absolutely. Or you just block all the time. Nope, I run the ball. I even score too. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, McKenzie. I appreciate your questions. Nice talking with you. Absolutely. I'll hand it over to Troy. Okay. Hey, Coach, what's good, man? Troy. Hey, Troy, how you been, man? Oh, man, look, I'm 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 good over here, man. You know, I'm breathing. I'm, I'm good with that, man. I get to watch Welcome this football. morning. Everything is working? That's right. Yes, it's football sir. season. That's right. Hey, how you guys you know, doing? Oh, man, listen, you know, my boys, my Redskins, they they look good out there. I like my my, my, my Michigan squad. They're looking pretty good, too. So, okay, you know, I'm yeah. just, Playing defense, so that's 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 right happy? up my alley. Right <laughs> so you know what yes, I, I've I've kind of you know I've kind of gone you know all the way back to you know relaxing a little bit, and and this is why. So what I started doing was looking at all of the rule changes ever since like the '80s. You know they took away spearing, they took away hitting the quarterback low, um, and you know as you said they didn't change the rule. What it is just more of an emphasis on the rule as far as like you know targeting and, and things like that, and and now with the taking the quarterback to the ground, and what I've seen what I've seen over the years is that there is that initial shot where the defensive players they're looking around like what do we do 
and every telecast that I saw where Rough in the Pastor was called, the funniest thing was is when they said, I think the issue is is that co- even the coaches are kind of confused because they don't know how to coach it. You were the first person I thought of when I saw that. Um, mm-hmm. But the, but my point is is that I think just like you know when they took away uh, targeting and you're, you're you know you're not allowed to hit the defenseless receiver, people were sitting back saying how are we going to how are they going to you know even play defense? I think defensive players after a while they started to get into a comfort zone, started to figure it out, and I think just like you were saying, what's going to end up happening is they're going to grab they're going to get to the quarterback, they're going to wrap him up, and they're just basically going to hold him. And I just think right. that's that's what we're going to start heading to now. And I kind of wanted to see, get your point on that one. And also, do you think that there is a systemic dis- like devaluing of the defensive player because of all of the rule changes? And the only r- really rule change they change on offense is no crack back, no chop block. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it is offensive driven. Uh, it's like because I guess – scoring points put pe- people in the seats and gets the channels, you know, tuned in on, on the game. Um, and, and it's, you know what, also to though, Troy, I think there was a thing, a store called, uh, I forgot the name of it. It was, it made sense. It was like buy, pay less or something like that. Then they called it big lots. Right. And for the longest time I was going big lot. That sounds dumb. I don't understand. Why did they change the name? It was great. Another name. And after a while I got used to it. And so big lots. Now I, I see it right Penny saves, whatever the name, I can't even remember the old name no more since I'm so used to big lots. So I say that because right now we've been, we, we, you and I grew up a certain way of playing football, a certain way of coaching football, a certain way of looking at certain football, but now it's changed so drastically we don't even know the game anymore. But over time we'll get used to, because we used to want to knock the quarterback out. Yeah, we got him out of the game. Well, really, to be honest, is that real competition now that we have Joe Montana out of the game? We're going to win now because they don't have their best player on the, on the field. And is that really a – that's a hollow victory. So isn't competition about striving with to be as great as we can be and the winner is the one who, who put it all together and came out on top with all their best players on the field. So that mentality of taking people out of the game is kind of ingrained. It's in me, but I don't have that in me that I, something that I teach or want to do. It's in me because I was brought up that way, right? I was just brought up that way. What changed me was when I started coaching the kids, and I never wanted to see a little kid because of me. So I think over time, and there is a value. If I'm a player and I'm, I'm looking at it, well, why are they protecting him but they're not protecting me? Or if I'm a running back and I go out there and guys can hit me any kind of way they want, but this guy they can't even touch. That does that. That can cause a little bit of uh, enmity or a resentment, or you feeling less than. Uh, so they they really have to address that. But I, I do understand it, though. I understand the marketing side of it because the face of the team is the quarterback. And if you lose your quarterback, just like Jimmy Garoppolo, what chance does San Francisco have now to really have a great season or, or possibly make it to the playoffs, or even you know definitely not get to the Super Bowl? That was their, that was their chance. You know, he was being a competitor and tried to cut back when he should have just went out of bounds, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Two, two hours yeah. this May off. You know, I know she's a little upset about that one. I would be too. Oh, man, I'm upset because he should have went out of bounds, man, because I know he's thinking I want to try. You're not going to – what's the extra yard going to do for you? Just go out of bounds, you know, get out of bounds. And I'm yeah, sure he'll, he'll remember that. Oh, go yeah, ahead. for sure. I'm sorry. 
but also, do you think that maybe the NFL should should also kind of talk about, you know, talk to the announcers about it? Because I'm going to tell you, you brought up a great point, Cam Chancellor, and, um, and you kind of saw that throughout the Seattle defense and any other hard-hitting defense out there because one of, the, one of their signatures is putting the helmet on the ball. And I hear right. it all the time. I'm like, okay, so is it good to use the helmet? Is it bad to use? It? I mean, but they're you know lauding it as, as of it being such a smart play. But then you know they're telling you to keep the crown of the helmet out of the game. But I guess they figure as long as it's not hitting someone, hitting another player with the crown of the helmet, it's a good thing. But listen, using the crown of the helmet at all to do anything should kind of be you know frowned upon. But the announcers are kind of you know, cheering it on. So I know watching, you know, and my son even came to me and said, because he was, you know, wanting to play football. And he was like, so, you know, forcing a fumble, you put the crown of your head, you know, on the helmet. So do you think that there is also a responsibility to the NFL to talk to the announcers about that? Yeah, they should educate the announcers and they should. But, you know, also the announcers are former players, a great many of them are former players. Or they're older guys that's been around since the you know seventies and sixties and whatnot, so they're old school as well. So what they consider a good hit, you know, and they're not educated in it. I, I I'm like this man. I, I believe the best teachers are great students first. That's how I train my coaches. I, I train coaches how to teach kids how to tackle. So I have them do everything that they're going to teach the kid how to tackle. So I want all the announcers to come out and you put your head on that that sled right there. Go hit it with the crown of your head and see what it does to the to the base of your neck. See what it does to your brain. See that's why we don't want to do it. Uh it's not worth you know, coach call something that's gonna stop them, make them punt. Don't risk losing your player to have them make a fumble uh by putting their helmet on the football. Read the 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 label. The label says it is a football rules violation to initiate contact with the crown of the helmet to block, tackle or run over a player. So putting your head on the football is you're in an attempt to tackle him, right? So you're putting your head on the ball to tackle him, but you're trying to make a fumble. But what are you risking? You're risking, you're, you're risking paralyzation. You're risking death. You're risking a broken neck. You're risking a traumatic brain injury. And you're risking uh, breaking the ribs of the ball carrier and damaging him and bruising his lungs and bruising his heart. So is it really worth it? You know. And then not only that, you have all these kids from college all the way down to little boys. I'll give you a statistic right now. For children under 15 to play tackle football annually, $6.89 billion is spent on medical, legal, and liability. For children under 15 every year playing tackle football, $6.89 billion. So how much is being spent on prevention? None. They'll go out and sell you a tire tube and tell you to tackle. Well, how's everybody getting hurt? Look at how did, uh, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Pittsburgh linebacker. Um, his name escapes me right now. Uh, got hurt last year hitting with his head down. Uh, against Cincinnati. Huh? Shazier. He was doing the hawk tackle. Okay. So when you put your head and hips on the same level, Football is, is, is moving constantly, right? Everything's moving all the time. It's shifting. Guys spin. Guys fall. Guys dive. Guys get knocked down. And so when you put you, – a matter of fact, the Chicago Bear, a young linebacker, the rookie – he was a rookie last year. He came in to make a tackle against New York, put his hip shoulder on the hip of the running back that was running up the middle, and all of a sudden he puts his, goes to put his shoulder 
on the guy's hip, and then this big defensive end comes, shows up from the other side of the ball, and he ends up jamming his neck by hitting the crown of his helmet on the hip of his defensive tackle or defensive end, whichever one it was, one of them big dudes that showed up all of a sudden, and because of the technique. Now, had he dipped and ripped, he, he never would have had that issue. He, he would have hit and made the tackle, would have never got a, a concussion or a neck injury like he did. He could have been worse. So why are they teaching it? And that's why I go back to the lawyers, and it's called um, subsequent remedial repairs, okay? So after the fact, okay, and you fix something, okay, if you didn't know it was dangerous, then I can't sue you. There's a, there's a law where you, if you, can, you minimize your liability because you didn't know that it was dangerous. Now, all these years later, when you talk about Daryl Stingley, you talk about all these guys that have been paralyzed, uh, what was the guy, Marty Lyons? Remember Marty Lyons when he who did he hit the uh, what was the guy the New York Jets the, the sack when they were the sack exchange Dennis Burns yeah and he came around the corner and they were both were coming from both left and right and he hit that in top of his helmet yep and I think it was Marty Lyons I I hope was, I'm naming the right guy uh, that did, that got hurt by hitting jo, uh, uh, Gastineau no, it, was, it was Dennis remember Bird. That? Yeah. yeah Bird yes sir that's the, yeah it was, yeah it was Bird. And he and he hit Gastineau, and and he had his head down. He was coming in, and they both were doing the exact same thing, and they missed the target, and they ended up hitting each other. Well, why did that happen? Because of the way they were taught to hit the quarterback, which put themselves in a vulnerable position, and the game is fluid. See tomorrow, brother. Uh, the game is fluid, right? And things move all the time. They're shifting, so there's no stationary targets in tackle football. And they ended up. So that how long has that been going on? So isn't that dangerous to do it that way? Well, why don't you admit it, fix it? Like I said, I fixed it for them back in 2009. And they chose to say to heck with what you say. We're going to do what we have been doing all along. Because what happened was baseball didn't do anything about the steroids. And when they got called to Congress to the, uh, on the carpet with all these high school kids dying because they wanted to be like Sammy Sosa, they wanted to be like Mark Guire and Barry Bonds knocking the ball out of the stadium every and so these kids start taking all these steroids, and they start dropping dead. And then Congress asked Major League Baseball, what did you do about this? What did you guys do to try to educate kids that this was not the thing to do? Nothing, because they were making money. People were filling the stands. They loved it. And so football's turn came, and they said, what are you going to do about these concussions? And then shortly after that, that's when Heads Up Tackle came about. That's when they called me, because I've been doing this since 1997. And in 2006 is when I started putting it in the world because uh, I, I, I'm an actor, Troy. I don't know if you know that or not. And I got tired of acting. I just got tired of it. Um, and so I said, because it, it was meaningless to me, for, for me. And even though I was making money, I wasn't helping anybody. I just had the spirit. I wanted to do something that mattered. And so I just said, what is it that I do best? And the answer came back that I communicate with young people. I said, well, what do I know best? And it came back was football, but tackling. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and teach people how to tackle. So I go online. I'm looking for all this equipment. And everything – Related to football, start popping up concussions, millions of them, deaths, too many of them, paralysis, too many of those. And I just said, oh, my God, people need to know how to do this better. And that's when I got started doing it. I put it on YouTube. So I got all these videos on YouTube, but I didn't have any instructions on how to set up my drills or nothing. So no content. So the last three years, Troy, I've been trying to do an online course, and and I'm close to it releasing it, but I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. So I know it'll be ready in 2019 for sure because I got the rest of this year to get it done because this season's pretty much done. Nobody's going to change the way they tackle in the middle of the season. 
So yeah, it'll well, be I, 2019. Yes, sir. I tell you, we, we will be looking out for it, man. And I implore everyone out there, especially if they're looking, you know, to, to, to tackle the right way. I've, I've watched the video. Bobby Jose's helmet-free tackle training system. Check it out on YouTube. There's Bobby Hosea. That's H-O-S-E-A. I yes, implore you guys to right. go ahead and take a look at it, man. It's a it's a great thing. So thank you. and as always, man, I enjoy talking to you, man. It was great. Always great to yeah. have you on, man. Please come back another time, brother. Oh, anytime, man. I great talking to all you guys. All the best to you the rest of the season and everything. God bless you all. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, Bobby. All right. Thanks for coming in, uh, enlighten us on that, and kind of clarifying all the things that we've been seeing for the last couple weeks here, the three weeks in the, in the season. Uh, look forward to it. And we'll be linking up that, uh, you know, course once you get it all finalized and kind of share it out so everybody can start diving into it. So, Bobby, thanks again for coming it. in. Thank appreciate it. Okay, Oscar, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, guys, uh, Bobby Hosea, Jr., uh, literally uh, on top of everything. He, I don't know why the NFL would not go with his recommendations. It's kind of crazy in that sense, but uh, – uh, we've had him on a couple times, and every time it's the same situation, and he's always reiterates the same basics. And unfortunately, I guess the big gorilla doesn't want to be liable for it, so they're just going to stick to band-aiding it. So um, let's go into the women's game. We're not going to dive into college football this week, but we will dive into college football next week, I promise. First thing up on the on the show next week. So, But let's go into the women's game here. So uh, in Ber- in Germany – the uh, Berlin Cobras win their, their 11th championship in, in, in uh, the AFBD. And so 26-6, to 6, they defeat the Munich Cowboys, a rematch of a couple of years ago. And so Berlin uh, remains reign supreme in Germany. And then in Division II, Stuttgart Scorpions, after having an amazing season uh, all season, they edge 18-14, to 14, the Colon Ronin, big defensive battle. Uh, we are trying to get some highlights from that game, but still not. So we'll figure out as soon as they get it, get uploaded, and we'll try to share it out. But that was in Germany. Uh, we're still uh, waiting on the Copa de Brazil uh, in terms of the announcement of when the actual playoffs will, will kick off in Brazil. Once we get that up and running, we'll get that going for you and uh, get the details as well on facebook.com forward slash Great Beauties. Check out some of the stuff that's happening on our site. Uh, you got the Prague Black, Hot, uh, Black Hats from Czechoslovakia, the Republic. They're featured on L Czechoslovakia, the big magazine. They got a big spread there in one of their features. So congratulations to them over in the Czech Republic. And so, so far the season, 2-0, the champion Bernos will be facing this weekend, 9:30, taking on the Prague Harpies. We're 0-1. That's the matchup coming up this weekend. Two weeks left in the season. And then we get the Rose Bowl in Czechoslovakia. So we'll be keeping tabs on them as well. And in Gridiron, Queensland, uh, the Griffith Thunder has just been the surprise of the season. 4-1-1 and after six weeks in action. Uh, last uh, This past weekend, the 22nd, uh, the Thunder, 89-0, blanking the Moriton Bay Raptors, which is the new team in uh, Grand Queensland. The girls are going to get better and better every week. So they're 0-6. But uh, they uh, got a lot of work to do, unfortunately. And also on the 22nd, it was the Stingrays rebounding 2-2-1. Uh, and they edged Bayside Ravens, the champs, surprising, 
I don't know if Moran played, but if Moran did not play, I'm not so surprised. But if Moran plays, it was pretty impressive by the Stingrays in uh, Gridan, Queensland, by the way. Um, and then uh, next weekend, coming up here, week eight, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, October 16th, or I'm sorry, October 6th, is going to be Stingrays taking on Moreton Raptors. Um, that should put them up at 3-2-1. Raptors, unfortunately, will go to 0-7. If, if, you know, strangest things have happened, they got to play the game. Griffith Thunder versus Bayside Ravens. This is the clash of clashes this way. Uh, four, one, and one Thunder taking on three and two Bayside Ravens. Uh, McKenzie, this is going to be the big matchup here. We thought uh, Stingrays and uh, Ravens was going to be this whole story of the season, but now the Griffith Thunder has uh, upped their game. Yeah, which I actually thought to be, you know, rather fast, I guess. I guess I just didn't think that the Thunder was going to, I guess, make their make their move so fast as far as um, coming up in the international women's rankings. That one, that one, that one took me for a shock. I'm not going to lie. Troy, uh, uh, Stingrays are kind of, uh, you know, rebounding away, but Bayside falling in the next the last two weeks are not looking too good. Uh, maybe injuries at this point, but uh, they're still top dogs. They're the champs. We're looking for a big clash this uh, October 6th. Yeah, and, then, you know, um, they're, they're the model of consistency in that league. So, you know, you expect them to bounce back. I mean, this is, you know, it happens in sports. Um, even even the big dogs get, you know, they get bitten every now and then. But how are they going to come back and respond to it? So we'll definitely keep an eye out for that one. In, North, uh, in uh, New South Wales, we're looking at the Sydney Uni Lions surprising last weekend, um, the 22nd. 30 to 6, they beat UTS Gators. Uh, the North Sydney Rebels have been impressive. They fall to uh, New, uh, Northwestern Phoenix after having a tie game against the Lions the previous week. Uh, the Diamonds uh, coming into this weekend, they're going up against the Sydney, uh, Sydney, North Sydney Rebels. Rebels would love to rebound here. Diamonds coming off a 30 to 8 week three win against UTC Gators. Northwestern Phoenix off that win last week. Uh, and this is all October 6th that we're going to play here, and it's going to be against UTS Gators. So North, uh, New South Wales pretty much also heating up here. And we'll get into uh, Gridiron West starting October 6th, week one. We'll get you updated and ready to go. Curtin Saints taking on Swan City Titans, and it will be the Rock, uh, Rockingham Vipers. We'll take it on the Perth Blitz opening weekend of Gridiron West, and we'll keep it updated on there. You can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can go to Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. You can follow all over us on Instagram as well. So, um, guys, what a, a, a show today. You got Allie Alberts, legendary L, uh, LFL superstar in the house, and glad she can make the time for us. She retires, and uh, Chicago Blitz fans are going to remember her forever. Um, and then you also had Bobby Hosea coming here, kind of giving us a scoop on what's going on with the NFL and the referee calls and all the rule changes. So pretty packed show today. Yeah, I especially when, when Bobby comes off, I always enjoy He's so insightful about, you know, tackling and, and everything going forward, you know, and how – I wonder if – NFL will reach back out to him. I mean, because I think his tackling tech is definitely interesting. But I think when he's dealing with the NFL and he play the sport, it's hard to do a complete culture change as to the way these guys are. 
Interesting to see if they ever do change, but it'll be a hard uh, change to do it. But you know what? They change everything else. I think eventually and gradually they'll try to figure a way to try to limit the injuries. But at the same time, listen, man, this is a it's a it's a violent sport. Guys are moving at high rates of speed, and when that happens, man, you're going to have stuff like that that happens. You can't you can't avoid all of them. Right. I uh, want to mention the 29th, the newbie Dragons taking on Dacia Vikings. Big clash in Austria, so we'll keep you tabs on that as well. So the newbie Dragons taking on Dacia Vikings. That will be the featured match this coming weekend in Austria. So, uh, Mackenzie, uh, we're looking forward to my Rams going 4-0 on Thursday night. And then we got Monday night football and we got Sunday night football. So it's going to be a big weekend of football. I can't wait. I'm, I'm really pulling for my Cowboys to uh, – make their record even by playing the Lions at home 12 o'clock noon this Sunday. I can't wait. I'm also I'm actually, I'm actually pumped to see uh, Baker Mayfield make his first start on Sunday. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Last week when they, yeah. when he had uh, when he got put in, I was like I was like, I'm not sure if I should be excited or stoked for this right now or nervous. He played really well, so that's the key for Browns fans. I think they're going to get you know, really well. They're not going to get beer anymore, but that's the way it works, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, they're looking forward to a win, maybe. Um, we're going into the, the uh, No the Joke Rams. Football Shop. If you guys go to Zazzle.com this week, uh, check out the specials there. Uh, you can get the uh, pretty much the leggings, tees, and shirts. And don't don't forget to check out the feature that we have on Le- uh, Liani uh, Kamal. Leoni Kamal, who is playing under with a, a Boys 13 club in Denver. And so we spotlighted her this week, and what a beast at defensive end. So check it out on our Facebook page and read up on that as well. And so we'll we'll keep tabs on all the youth girls that are just doing amazing things as well, so then they're feeding us as well. So uh, for Mackenzie Brooks, the absent Holly Custis, uh, Tracy Brick, Louise Bean, and for Troy Wilson here, uh, we are going out, 241, big show. Thanks again to Allie Alberts for coming in to uh, chime in on her career. And then Bobby Otef for being all informative. So, guys, we'll catch uh, next week with college football. We're going to be talking college football first thing in the hour. And then we're going to also dive into NFL week four. So, have a great weekend, everybody.